How's it going, Simple Lifestyle Podcast? This is your host, Carlos Rivera, and today I have Miranda. She's actually one of the advisors for an organization I'm involved in called the Collegiate Digital Media Association. So, Miranda, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Doing well? Awesome. Well, Miranda here, she is a educational psychology professor, correct? Yes. Here at Texas A&M, and there's a lot of things about her that make her really unique. She has a crazy, crazy background, and we're going to talk about it a little bit right now. So, Miranda, can you tell us a little bit about your professional background? Yes. Well, I have a doctorate in educational psychology, mm-hmm. um, and most recently, about three years ago, I started coach training, mm-hmm. and um, so I have a background in that, doing personal development coach training, leadership training, and things like that. And it was kind of an unexpected twist um, because I was in the world of education. Mm -hmm. And when I discovered coaching, I just fell in love with it. And I have been working consistently to merge those two worlds together. And when did that merge happen? So when did that moment happen for you? You were, you know, in education and then it all kind of came together for coaching for you. Yes, I didn't expect it to. Um, I just, I loved coaching and I almost felt guilty about that. You know, because I thought, okay, here I got a doctorate in education, and uh, previously I was a teacher in a public school setting, and so I thought, now I'm in love with this coaching thing, what am I supposed to do? So almost like a crisis moment of what does this mean for me? Um, But then I discovered that there are ways to merge them, and many school districts are moving to having instructional coaches in the classroom to support teachers. It's not a pure model of coaching, but very similar to that. And I actually have a program now to coach principals. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's an excellent way, again, to merge my background in educational psychology and education with coaching. So, so yeah. all this balancing, you know, your, your education, like being a, being a teacher and then also being a professor here. Because I know you, you know you got a lot going on right now. And so with all of this that you've done, I've, I've researched a little bit and I've seen that you've actually written books before, correct? No, you haven't no, written books? no, no, I haven't. No? I, I write a lot of blogs and I write articles for magazines. Oh, okay, so yes. I, I saw the articles then. Yes, so, yes. So uh, did this all start after you became a coach? Yes, it did, okay. yes, yeah. So the book is definitely in the horizon, Okay. Um, but not yet. So it's mostly articles and, and I write for a magazine in, out of Austin called Society Diaries, um, yes. And is this like a, a daily post that you do or how often do you write uh, It with should them? be a weekly it post. Be. It should <laughs> okay. be a weekly post. That's the goal. That's the goal. And the magazine is, um, I think they have uh, every other month they release an issue. It's digital and print. I mean, what's the whole well. theme about this magazine? Um, in the magazine, um, they called me their relationship uh, expert. And oh, so wow. I write articles sometimes on relationships and also on personal development. Um, so for them, yes. So relationships as in, you know, from the relationship of a, of a teacher with their students? No, it's actually overall in yes, everything? relationships in general. So the last article I wrote for them was on um, kind of digging down deep uh, in moments of struggle and kind of getting what you need uh, to be able to overcome major obstacles. And um, so that was more on personal development side. And the next issue is going to be on relationships, like how do you sustain a marriage since, um, you know, a lot of people are thinking about weddings in the summer and things like that. And so when everything is fresh and new, but how do you sustain a marriage when you're five years into it or 10 or 15? Um, And so that's what the article will be about. So it's within that realm. That's very interesting. So with being be, being a writer now mm-hmm. and, you know, incorporating all this in your life, you've I'm assuming you've learned a lot about yourself and about the field and about other people, correct? Yes, definitely. I, I, I really, really feel that the coach training was transformational for me. 
um, in many levels, in, t in terms of developing self-awareness, in terms of how I see the world, in terms of how I engage with others. Um, I just see things in people very differently than I did prior to coach training. So I, I'm really blessed to have had that opportunity. That's amazing. And just looking back at your, you know, your career and everything you've accomplished at this point, what has been your greatest achievement? Wow. Um, outside of family, because I do have five children. And yes. So, um, <laughs> that's a big accomplishment yes, right there that's, um, in itself. I think the doctorate, uh, mm -hmm. just because of the journey, you know, it's not an easy journey, and it, it took a lot out of me. It took a lot of uh, developing grit and resilience and having to find motivation sometimes when it wasn't there and, and just that persistence and working for the long haul. So I think that was um, one of the probably more arduous um, journeys I've had and so therefore one of the accomplishments I'm more proud of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's great. I mean that's something I'm considering doing someday as well, you know, going into higher education, possibly yes. getting a PhD, you know, the whole, the whole journey. It seems something that, you know, a lot of people consider but, you know, when they graduate from undergraduate, sometimes, you know, life gets in the way right. and they don't, they end up not doing anything else with education. Yeah. But I, I just think it's important to continue it, whether it's formal education or just learning outside the classroom, just constantly reading or, you know, just staying engaged in personal education in general. Right, exactly. Yes. And I think that's what drew me. It's, um, I'd get another doctorate if my husband allowed me to. <laughs> Um, but yes, I just love learning. What would the second doctorate be? In? It would probably be in coaching, something oh. related to coaching. And so um, there are other countries where coaching is prevalent. And so, for example, in Australia, they take it more from an academic standpoint and they base a lot of their coaching on research and theory um, and things like that. And so that's something I'd like to incorporate into to what I do and not just have coaching kind of pop psychology type coaching, mm -hmm. but really have some ways to collect data if my clients want that and to be able to be based on theories of behavior and change and and so that's another way that I'm merging you know my background with with the coaching so now going into the coaching more in depth so being a life coach you have transformed many lives I'm assuming right it's it's like your job to you know you're probably very humble about it but I, I hope you know that you're probably <laughs> transforming lives with what you're doing I absolutely love what I do, and um, the feedback I've received is, I think those are probably some of the, the accomplishments I cherish the most. And um, just being able to be part of the journey with somebody when they're working on their relationship or achieving a certain goal that they have or, you know, scaling their leadership to the next level and, and being able to see the changes they make, it, it's very exciting. And um, so I refer to it as, you know, my life dream is to make other people's dreams come true. Um, because that's really what it is. It's like nothing excites me more than, you know, a coaching conversation where somebody has a transformation or has some insight that is able to use that to move the needle forward or, or change the trajectory of what they're doing. Um, that's actually the most satisfying thing I experienced professionally lately. So that's that's incredible. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think many people want to have that kind of that sense that sense of feeling of accomplishment and fulfillment with mm -hmm. the careers they're doing. So I'm, that's very awesome that you found something like that for yourself. Yes. That's incredible. Yes. So with all this, you've, you started a company, correct? Mm -hmm. Called, if I'm not mistaken, Mira New. Right. Correct? Mira, Mira New Coaching and Consulting. Yes. So tell us a little more about that. How, yes. How's that journey been for you? Um, that actually started in 2011 before I was a coach, and I just knew that I wanted to help people um, navigate their lives better. So I would do professional development for teachers and parents, and they would come to me after, 
and say, you know, all of this is nice, you know, that you bring us the latest on what we should be doing, but when your life is a mess, um, when you're not getting along with your colleagues, then some of this stuff goes in one ear and out the other. And I told them I appreciated their candor. Um, and then I, I kind of stepped back and started thinking about, like, there's a different need here before we just tell teachers and, and parents, like, what you could do to scale, to do better. Um, we have to address them as a person. And I developed a workshop that was called, What About Me, the Teacher as a Person? And I had the highest attendance I've ever had at any conference uh, presentation. And that's when the affirmation came, like, there's something here, there's a need. And so I did that for a few years before I even started coach training. So I was kind of floundering, kind of figuring out what is it. And it wasn't until I found and discovered coaching that I realized, ah, that's what I was trying to do. And that's where all of this was going. Mm -hmm. And it finally had a name. Um, and, and that helped um, so that I could really focus and be more intentional. So is the coaching you're doing currently with, is it still with Miranu? Yes. So is that what it evolved to? Yes, okay. yes. So I still have that. Um, I'm actually doing some things at the university as well. But in terms of Miranu, I have um, private clients that are, you know, that come as couples or they come solo. Um, right now I happen to have uh, three couples that are doing their coaching on their own. And then they're going to come back and do couples coaching, but they want their own development at first, um, which is really neat. And then I do some coaching for leadership at Rice at, for the Doer Institute for New Leaders. Um, so that's really exciting, and I've been doing that for a couple of years. And I have a principals program where I'm coaching principals. Um, so they do an aspect of masterminding and coaching, and they also receive consultants from people that are experts in, you know, in that field because I've never been a principal. Um, but as a coach, you don't, have to have, you don't have to have the experience that your client has to be able to help them, and that's what's really neat. Sometimes it's actually more valuable to not have that, that experience. So how much, how much experience is usually, you know, needed to become a life coach? Um, a good training is definitely important. Um, and then outside of that, it depends what your niche is and what you're interested in. Um, some background helps, you know, so that you can ask uh, maybe more powerful questions based on some of your knowledge from the background that you might have, but you don't have to have expertise in a certain area. Um, to be able to coach someone because coaching is different than consulting. Um, in consulting, someone comes and provides you the answers. You know, they collect data, they analyze, or they give you a plan and say, here, this is what you need to do, and your situation will be solved. Uh, mentorship is kind of the same way, where somebody shows you the ropes and says, if you do A, B, and C like I did, then you'll be successful and you, you will have this position that you want or promotion. And with coaching, um, we don't really give advice. Um, what we are doing is just serving as inquiry and helping individuals really think deeply and to inquire within themselves and see what's possible. Holding, and if people wanna be held accountable, we do that. If people wanna be challenged, then we can do that as well. But it's mostly, I call it, just hitting the pause button on life and helping people think. Because bottom mm -hmm. line, that, that's what it is. And so you don't have to have that expertise. Because, for example, my clients at Rice, um, I've got, I have musicians, I have engineers, I have people in, you know, the humanities. It just varies um, backgrounds that I obviously don't have. And, and the coaching works really well because it's a, about the person. And those people in Rice, are they students, professors? Yes, yes, they're actually students. There's okay. a Doer, Doer, John Doer donated um, $50 million to create a leadership institute and so that any student who wants to be a leader can receive leadership training. And one of the first things they do is they receive uh, services from a professional coach um, within the community. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's a really neat program. That's incredible. And it just, 
I know we, we call it a life coach, but is there a more technical term for all this? Is there a variety of titles you can have? Right, there are, and life coach is something that um, people are comfortable with and know. So coaching really started uh, primarily in the business world um, because they saw the return on investment in coaching, and usually coaching goes to those that they are grooming for upper, you know, promotions and uh, different positions. And then it started gaining popularity, and that's when the term life coach came in. Uh, but then ICF, which is the International Coaching Federation, has moved away from that term because life coach has kind of a deficit in connotation to it, like, okay, you can't manage life, so you need a coach. And so that's why they've moved kind of away from that terminology to personal development co coaching instead. Mm -hmm. And so, and you'll have people that do leadership coaching, personal development coaching, transformation coaching, transition coaching, business coaching. It really varies um, what that is, you know. So what kind of background is required to become a life coach or a personal development coach, mm -hmm. if you call it? So let's say someone someone like me, I'm a student in college. Is there something that I would have to do now in college to prepare myself to become a personal development coach in the future? No, there's no real direct pathway. And as a matter of fact, the more varied and unique your experience is, the more unique you'll be in the market. And so whatever your trajectory is, you know, I, I know some that um, somebody who I've been mentoring who wants to be a coach and he's in engineering and is interested in helping engineers have better social skills and dating skills and so that unique contribution that he has is going to make him a unique coach and so it's really being able to leverage your background um, for me anything that has and that's just because it's my personal interest of being able to understand research understand a little bit of you know psychology for me is important um, because I will present that to my clients um, so I don't give them advice, but I do like ask permission, like, would it be helpful to know, you know, the theory on what motivates people, like if they're struggling with motivating their team. And so then I share some of that information, like research says these, you know, the three things motivate individuals. And so how can you use, if at all, that information to help you strategize and motivate your team better? And so I like to interject um, with that type of information. So what, yeah. So I mean, now going specifically into your responsibilities as a life coach, because mm -hmm. I'm assuming there's a lot of things, depending on the situation or the, on the couple, the individuals you're working with, what are your primary responsibilities as a life coach? Oh, that's a great question. Um, whatever you agree to at the beginning with your client. And so that, mm -hmm. that initial agreement is very key. And I think that's where some people don't get um, good services from individuals because they don't establish a good agreement. And so usually I'll share like what my style of coaching is, which is you know 80% just inquiry and maybe 20% where I present um, some information that might be useful. And so I'll ask my clients if that's useful. Um, and just helping them make the transformation and the goals that they want. So that initial session of like, where are you now and where do you want to be? and then continuously checking in on that. So when we started the coaching experience, you wanted to make these three changes. Where do you feel you are now? Um, what needs to be done? What, how can I help you better so that you stay on track? Or, or maybe those have changed, but it's constantly checking in and honoring the, the client's agenda and what they want and what they need at the time. I think that's the mm -hmm. biggest, biggest thing is just making sure you know what the client wants and needs and you continue to check in on that because it changes. And, you know, doing all this, you become very empathetic, correct? So you yes. really start understand these people's feelings. You're able to put them yourself in their shoes and understand their situation, you know, because everyone's got a different story. Everyone has a different background, 
right? So do you consider yourself a more empathetic person now? Or has it always kind of been a part of you? I, I think I've always been um, empathetic, but that's one of the transformational things that happened with the coaching experiences because there was an element of, of judgment. So sometimes I would say, well, if, you know, if I'm able to do these things and I've got these constraints, then why can't that person do the same? And so kind of that, that aspect of uh, having expectations of people um, without really having permission to have those expectations and then judging and being critical based on that. And the coaching experience has really taken that that piece down. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that it's completely gone, but it is. And my clients actually say that one of the, it's usually the first thing that they say is that I'm a safe space and they don't ever feel judgment. And at this point they can say anything and it's like, I'm on your side. Like no matter what you're saying, I'm on your side. And and they feel that. And that's, a, that's where the, you know, it's that's why it's an honor to be a part of that journey um, to be able to, to just do that and and one of when I've had people inquire about coaching I remember one gentleman said he's like oh wow so I don't have to try to impress you <laughs> and it was like yeah he was like it's like it just hit him like and he realized for himself like he was out in the world trying to impress every everybody you know people he'd meet people in his family people at work and he realized for the first time through our conversations like oh I can just be real and you're not gonna judge me and, and I told him the more real you are the better the work is that we're going to do together and um and so yeah so people don't have an opportunity to be real and and they know you know when they're sitting across from someone if it's a safe space to be real and so i think that's one of the gifts i have to to be able to do that for others i think that's amazing and just going back to that one story of this of this gentleman you're talking about that's a big issue with a lot of people Mm -hmm. you know they want to impress everyone they want to you know, meet certain standards that they think are there based on what their family expects of them, what society expects of them. So it's it's a challenge a lot of people go over, you know, right. go through. Right. So it's, what's one tip that would you, you would give for one person that's going, you know, going through that kind of mental challenge? Mm-hmm. Um, to just embrace vulnerability. I mean, it's such a powerful thing to just be able to open up because it really allows connection. Um, that's one of the things that I've noticed. Um, sometimes with a client, if it's relevant, I'll share a little bit of an, a, a similar experience I might have had. Um, so I'm very careful not to make the, the session about me, but if it's relevant, you know, I'll ask permission, say, you know, would you like to hear Cause something like this happened to me once? And, um, and usually they'll say something like, I had no idea somebody like you dealt with that or, you know, or wow. had or struggled with that. And that just kind of opens them up even more. And I've noticed that in my life, anytime that I've been willing to be vulnerable, um, that it's been at the service of others and helped others in, in many ways. And so I kind of consider it part of my service to the world is just to share my imperfections and, uh, <laughs> and, allow, peop- and allow connection to happen based on those. So, so I'm not shy about it anymore. So, That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. That really is. And, you know, a lot of times you have to make tough decisions. I know this is not consulting mm-hmm. and this is the, the coaching yes. you explain, right? But are there any philosophies that you live by to help you make tough decisions? You know, certain certain beliefs or things that you tell yourself to help you make tough decisions? Yes, I think it's important that we all, and that's one of the things I do with clients as well. It's like, what are your non-negotiables? What are your, your, your absolutes? What are you willing to die for in terms of, even when we do values work, you know, not like what you think you should have in terms of your values, but what are they really? What's really driving your behavior? and discovering those and, and honoring those is what's important. So Martin Luther King Jr. and Ale- Alexander Hamilton have both been attributed with saying that if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. 
And so I think it's important that there are some certain markers. And mine are driven a lot by my values. Um, and my top values are growth. And so usually I make decisions based on growth. Um, is, is there growth in this decision? Or is this decision not going to provide growth? Um, another of my value is dignity. Um, and so does this decision uphold the dignity of the other person, the, my dignity if it's relevant to me? And so my values are driving the decisions that, that way. Um, love is another of my values. And so where is there love um, in this decision, uh, whatever that may look like? And so my values drive the decisions. and. And then the final kind of marker when I'm making a decision is, what would my best version do in this case? So the best version of Miranda that I dream to someday be and that I'm journeying to become, how would she decide this situation? And that's always a tough one. <laughs> when you get to that point, it's like, ah, that you know what you're supposed to do yeah. at that point, so. And so you, you've gone, as far as your education goes, you were, at all A&M systems for, for you know, your undergrad, master's, and PhD, correct? Yes. So, yes. you know, there's the six core values of A&M, mm -hmm. right? You have respect, excellence, leadership, loyalty, integrity, and selfless service. Right. Have you, do you incorporate those values into your life as well? Yes, yes, of course. Yes, they absolutely do um, drive a lot of the work that I do. Whether I'm conscious of it or not, they, they all kind of feed into the values that I already have. So, yes, absolutely. And in terms of when I'm working with other clients, sometimes those values will prop up, but I actually work with them and whatever their values are as their starting point, meeting people where they are. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yes. So, Rena, you're, from where I hear, you're starting a podcast too, correct? Yes, yes. Rumor has it? Yes, rumor has yes. it, yes. So, is the rumor correct? You are the starting a podcast. The rumor is correct, yes. The rumor is correct. Just timing, deciding when we want to launch. Um, so, there may be a potential to launch in the summer, but that might be too much of a quiet time or should we take the momentum of the start of the semester to do this? So we're trying to decide um, when the best time is and to start some of the recordings as well so that I'm ahead of schedule. So, so tell yeah. us a little more about what this podcast is gonna be, a little, a little sneak peek. Right, so it's um, going to be called The Knowledge Broker and uh, the reason for that is that I, I rely a lot on information that's available um, through re research or even things that you can find online. And sometimes when you're searching for information, you find things that are contradictory. You find uh, studies that have gotten into the media and they've been distorted, like saying, you know, that this is, um, they misinterpret, you know, what happened in the study and make these grand conclusions that perhaps aren't true. And then you find things on the internet that are watered down, you know, 10 tips for this, five tips for that, and very repetitive things that you've seen before. And so for me, in order for a person to have a good quality of life and be able to make good decisions, they need good information. And um, so it just made perfect sense. You know, I'm in a building with researchers who are doing innovative things, interesting things all across campus. And, um, and society and the community doesn't know about that. And how beneficial would it be if they knew and could apply some of that information to their lives? And so that's the intent behind the podcast is to bring conversation from a researcher um, that would be relevant to society, to the community in a way that's fresh and conversational and that would be engaging for them and just overall just help them have greater awareness, um, have you know, fun conversations with individuals on different topics that they might not have considered and just make better decisions in their lives. That's incredible. And I mean, a lot of people have who start a podcast, they have different motivations for starting a podcast. Mm -hmm. And so for what I can tell for you, the motivation is you, you're, you're surrounded by these amazing people every day. You work with amazing people all the time. 
So you want to help spread their knowledge and their their research to benefit other people, right? Is that the biggest motivation or is there another motivation that that you have? Yeah, so actually I, I analyzed that, like what, what, are the, what is motivating me to do this? Because this just came to mind January. So as I was examining um, what are my plans for the new year for, you know, and this is what came up. And so I examined, okay, what, what is the intent here? And that was one of them. I'm also a lifelong learner. So just the thought of sitting across from someone and having a conversation um, at that level on the work that they've been doing, perhaps their life's work, that was absolutely thrilling. And then to be able to help others. And so if I have a conversation with someone or if I'm in a coaching session with someone and I have a podcast that covers a topic that they are dealing with, to be able to say, I'm, I'm going to send that forward to you if you're interested in listening to it. And to me, that's um, just having those resources because that's another thing that um, individuals will say about me is that I'm very resourceful and I love providing providing that. So, you know, if you've ever done your strength finders, um, input, intellection and learner are some of my top ones. And so it's just like consuming information and it's all available there for whenever I hope somebody may need <laughs> it. So, so yeah. I definitely think it would be really helpful to have all this information somewhere. So I'm actually yes. really looking forward to your podcast. Yes, thank you. And it would it be a weekly a weekly thing or have you I, thought about that yet? I think it, we're going to start with two to three a month and then see if I can do weekly um, from there. Yes, but definitely two a month and then the goal being to eventually build momentum and be able to do four a month and so weekly podcast. And many of the new podcast hosts who are starting, you know, a podcast, mm -hmm. they have a a certain person they aspire to be like or mm -hmm. see similar to is there anyone that you aspire to be like any anyone in the podcast world or do you think you're just going to be you know mm -hmm. unique and a different category right. for yourself I've actually thought quite a bit about that um, and decided that I'm going to allow whatever who I am to emerge and allow because that's what's going to be the unique contribution mm -hmm. um, but there are models I like and so for example I, I like uh, Brett McKay from the art of manliness I listen to his podcast quite often and for him I just like the background knowledge that he has so it seems like he does a lot of research before interviewing and plus he's a you know avid reader and so just the, the way he interjects relevant information and just enhances a conversation so that's the piece I admire about him uh, with Lewis Howes, I just admire the connection. I mean, it just sounds mm -hmm. so genuine. It sounds like he is totally there, fully present with the person. And so there's a piece of that that I would like to, to have as well. Um, and there's another, another podcaster I've just started listening to. Forgot her name. She's a, a, pro, a professor, and she has a podcast called Found My Fitness. And she doesn't water down the material. She really presents it in a way that is understandable. Um, but doesn't dumb it down for the audience. And so I really admire that as well. And so there's pieces, I guess, that different individuals are doing that I'd like to emulate and incorporate. And then hopefully they come natural and we'll fall together. But yeah, that's a great question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, I'm excited about all this. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, whenever you, when you're thinking about, you know, launching, there's a lot of different factors you have to think about. You got to kind of plan ahead, you know, what you want to accomplish with this podcast and all these things. So going to that, what is your you know long-term goal? You're going to continue this for years and years, or is it a type of podcast that you want to do for a certain amount of time? You know, because some mm -hmm. some podcasts have you know a goal of 50 episodes, and after those 50 episodes mm -hmm. are done, then it's over for them, mm -hmm. right? So what kind of style do you think it's going to be for you? You think it's going to be a long-term thing, or what I, do you think? I think so. I think it maybe evolve into something else. 
um, but it, it, I don't have an ending date in mind. And because there's just a wealth of information here at the university, so it's not just going to be the college. I'm starting with our department mm -hmm. um, because it's just it, they're doing so many things that are so rich um, here that need to get out into the world. Um, but I have the college and I have the entire university and the entire university system. Um, so I think there's plenty um, information to disseminate for a long time. Mm -hmm. And like I said, for me, the, it's being able to learn and to have that learning at the service of others, to be able to provide resources and, and then just become a better person through what I can give through others in terms of knowledge. And so that's why it's called a knowledge broker, because I'm not necessarily creating the knowledge, but I'm brokering it for, the, for society or for the audience. Um, yes. So as mentioned earlier, you have, you have a lot going on in your life, correct? You're a mother, <laughs> you're a wife, you're a professor, you're a coach, you're, you're a future uh, podcast host, right? Yes. So, I mean, with having all these things in your life, for other people, it might be very overwhelming. And just like, oh, you yes. know, I, <laughs> that excuse, quote unquote, I'm too busy. It's it just, the, the quote unquote, I'm too busy, it just means I'm not managing my time to do a certain task, right? right? So how, how have you managed your time? How have you simplified your life to be able to accomplish all these things? Right. So when I hear the concept of I'm too busy, it's um, I often say whether it's in my head or not, maybe it's still one of those judgmental things. <laughs> but I always say that people do what they want to do. And so sometimes, you know, that that's the, the nature of things. And so if we're making excuses, it's because we really don't want to do. And it's it starts with being very clear on what your priorities are. It, and it's also realizing that seasons look different. So some people try to force a certain semester to look that way and then expect it to work that way every semester. And it may not because the load may be different in terms of work, the client load may be different. So being able to accept flexibility um, and focus is very important. So my, my two words were, uh, my words for the 20, this year, 2018 were intensity or clarity, intensity and focus. Um, and that's what I approach my work with. And I before I start working, I think about those and then at the end I reflect, you know, was I very clear on what I wanted out of this day? Did I work intensely? Um, was I focused during the time that I was working? Um, because there's no room to not be. Um, otherwise, the work doesn't get done that it needs needs to get done. And so I'm intentional about I batch my days and so certain days are for certain things, certain times of days um, are like for business, for coaching, other days are for A&M teaching related works, other days are for A&M um, administrative work and so I've, I have the days uh, batched in that way and divided and that's kind of like my little map for the day I'll open it up and say okay that's right on Mondays um, somebody contacted me about wanting to work on this proposal but that doesn't happen until Tuesdays and so I table it and I try to stay focused on the theme of Monday and that's what's really helped um, having my goals where I visit them every day, um, twice a day at least, sometimes three times a day to help me stay focused and I transfer them to the day. Like what am I supposed to be doing that moves my goals forward on this day that's Tuesday? Um, and making sure like checking back, am I doing that? And it doesn't always work out beautifully, but if I didn't do that, I wouldn't get anywhere because there are so many moving pieces. Um, so having the goals present is, is very important. That's amazing. I know a lot of that are different habits you've incorporated to help you succeed, right? Yes. And I know some of these can be considered professional or personal habits. Right. But overall, besides those, what is one habit that has contributed to your success? I would think actually working out. Really? <laughs> yes, yes. So I, I work out early in the morning. 
Um, for some reason, I'm not getting there at 5 a.m. like I used to. It's, mm-hmm. it's more like 5.30 now. Um, I think just because I've increased the intensity of working out and so many projects and all that I think my body's just asking for more sleep. And so I've allowed that. But I try to start the day um, by working out and usually four or five times a week. And I am serious when I go there. So I don't like I'm not trying to check emails or text messages. There aren't many at that hour. So people mm-hmm. aren't bothering you. And I try to just really be fully present um, and have clarity. Why am I here? What am I working on? And be intense uh, about it and, um, and wrap up my day that way. So it just gives me a certain energy and it's my time. And then after I've done that, I feel like if I conquered that, I can go conquer anything else. And, and whatever I'm struggling with, sometimes I'll take that to the gym. And if I have something I'm struggling with, I usually will bike harder or I'll add another 10 pound plate on something and and yes and that's how I deal with problems and so I joke with people who say well how do you stay in shape and it's like well if you take your problems to the gym you know you'll be really fit no time (laughs) in no time so so it's yeah that piece that's amazing I think I'm going to incorporate that in my life too the intensity the focus and the The clarity clarity yes those are very important well Marina thank you so much for your time today I really appreciate it I know a lot of people are going to get a lot of value from what you've spoken about today, a lot of really key things they can incorporate into their life to make their life a little bit simpler, but also, you know, create a successful future for them. Mm-hmm. So thank you for coming on today. Okay, thank you. It was my pleasure. Well, everyone, I'm going to post Rana's information in the description below so you guys can contact her if you have any more questions, anything like that. But that was it for this episode. If you guys are like what I'm doing, I would love it if you guys would drop a review in iTunes. And uh, just a five-star review if you think it's doing well, a one-star review if you think I'm doing bad, anything in the middle. And just a quick uh, quick comment to so I can evaluate um, my whole process of what I'm doing here. But that was it for this episode, and I'll catch you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.